Welcome to the Bergstrom Bunch Podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm here with my daughter. I'm Kylie. Like all parents, Kathy and I want the best for our kids. And that means making sure our kids are great people. And most important for us is making sure the faith carries on to our kids. Unfortunately, we see that a lot of times faith is not carried on from one generation to the next. So before we jump into that, Kylie, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, obviously, I am one of your kids, and I am the middlest child. Out of the nine of us, I am number five, so bam, right in the middle. Got everyone on either side, and it's always wild growing up with just siblings on both sides of you, I guess, age-wise, because everyone either is coming to you for something or there's always something going on. So it's just a little bit crazy growing up that way, and it's exciting. Um, But also I love teaching self-defense. I love helping women find confidence and just being able to defend themselves but also know that they're worth defending. And um, so that's really just my passion, and it's definitely showing this week with all my bruises. Um, Definitely got the forearm bruises there. yeah, it's been a good week of training. No black guy this week, though. (laughs) Not this time. (laughs) But so it's definitely something that I love doing and I'm very passionate about. And what do you do for work? Well, I coach ninja also, so self-defense as well as ninja warrior training or obstacle course racing, as more people will probably understand what that means. And I primarily coach kids in both of those, more adults in the self-defense side. Yeah, so Kylie, we've always looked at you as our Swiss Army knife, where you're very versatile. We can throw you in with high school football boys or kickboxing or young kids, and uh, you do a little bit of it all, including baking and raising... Try to be well-rounded. Raising chickens, so... (laughs) (laughs) And gardening. Don't forget the gardening. Oh, that's important. Um, So some things we have in common is we both grew up in the church, and we're both pastor's kids. And it would seem like pastor's kids would be immune to falling away from the faith, immune to struggles. Except that almost seems to be something that they're known for. (laughs) It seems like they should be the strongest, though, because they receive the most teaching, the most investment, lots of time in the church. Not always the case. Right. So... Let's look at you. When you think about uh, developing your relationship with Jesus and growing up in the faith, what were some of the biggest challenges for you? Mm-hmm. Well, growing up in the church, obviously, like you said, like there is a lot of learning and investment. But I would say that with that also meeting a lot of different people in my own age, no matter which time frame we're looking at, whether it's really young, elementary, junior high, high school age, Um, Having friends or even just people I was getting to know who often were more complacent or just kind of wanted to focus on the things that were fun at the time and being able to see that and see that people would often either have like a big moment where they came to their faith in junior high or high school often that these times were really monumental for kids and they would come to youth group or come to a camp and have this amazing moment where they came to know Jesus and this would not always last for a lot of people and just kind of seeing these kids come to their faith but then decide it wasn't worth it and that was hard for me to see a lot of the time because it made me wonder like man is this really worth it is this a journey that I want to continue making am I only making this because I grew up in the church because I see my parents my grandparents doing this and 
kind of just seeing that from a lot of people my own age and seeing them getting pulled away by the things that were deemed as more exciting um, that are going on and it's just hard to look at that as a young teen and think not be thinking man why am I doing what I'm doing is this actually worth it so how much of that was maybe peer pressure versus wow, maybe faith is something for old people and parents. <laughs> um, I would say more, I guess, the peer pressure aspect versus, because uh, I always enjoyed hanging out with people who were older than I was um, or, you know, hanging out with my grandparents and hearing stories and things. Like that was never thinking like, ah, this is just an old person thing. Um, I would say more so the peer pressure aspect definitely had um, a bigger impact on the struggles of just wondering if it was worth it or not versus the other. <laughs> okay. What about looking inside the church versus outside the church? And maybe it seems like people are having more fun that aren't waking up early on Sunday to go to church or devoting a, a Wednesday night. And Yeah. And I think also looking in the church, like it could feel hard to see church people coming in, going to church, and almost making it more of a checklist kind of thing. Now, I do love a good checklist, and I love checking things off, but that doesn't exactly make you want to become a Christian or go to church because when you're looking at it like that, it's very methodical, it's very robotic, and it doesn't make you feel like, wow, this is a vibrant life that people are living. And that can be hard to look at that and see like, oh, people just go to church on Sunday morning and then they go back and do whatever they want in the afternoon and it doesn't change their life that much. Or it doesn't seem like their life is any better than someone who's not going to church. And um, I think that can be the hard part for people looking at that is they don't see this abundant faith, this faith journey that's really changing people's lives and making it better. And so when they see that, it's like, well, what's the point in going to church? If my life doesn't become better because of Jesus, then why would I wake up early on Sunday, like you said, and go to church when I could sleep in a little bit and then go boating? Or I could, you know, have a day to myself to rest and relax. I mean, that is important to relax, to have that Sabbath, like that's biblical. So naturally we crave that. And I think that when we don't see that it's of benefit or that it's changing someone's life to go to church, that can be hard to want to. Okay, so seeing people that made church as kind of a routine, yeah. religion, something you do. Yeah, exactly. Rather Versus than... having that faith journey. Okay, so they've developed a routine, they've developed a pattern, but there's not a lot of life change there. So yeah. we're, Okay, okay. Yeah, that's. I would agree with that. Um, you know, growing up, and, and most of our listeners are not going to be pastor's kids, but... Right. Since that's something we do have in common, I, for me, it was hard to see certain people in the church that would s disparage my parents or my parents had poured out their life for them and helped them and counseled them and helped their marriage. And then at some point they decide, ah, forget you, or they would gossip about them or decide they didn't like something in the church, something, mm -hmm. one thing that was said on a Sunday, and then right. they turn on your parents. Right. 
Because then that's hard to see too, is to see, you know, even people going uh, like after you and mom because of something that you maybe advised them to because they needed life advice or you were just trying to help them to see like, hey, this is how you can know Jesus more. And then people almost blame you guys for ruining their life when it's like, hey, you asked for um, guidance and counsel. We were just trying to let you know this is what's in scripture. And that can be hard to see when people take that and just throw it back at you. Mm. Also in ministry, it's there's almost a time when there's no time when you're not off the clock. Right. People have needs all day long, all night long, every day of the week, mm-hmm. and you're the go-to. And as the pastor, they you're going to be the one they call. Um, was that a challenge, sharing time with your parents, with everyone else that had needs? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, being one of so many kids, having... Um, so many people constantly in our house, whether it was friends or people who were staying with us for a weekend or for who, indefinitely, um, you know, for however long, that was really hard to have to share the time with you and mom and um, understanding that that's ministry, that that's important, but also feeling that need and that lack. Yeah. And we certainly always had a lot of people in the home. Always. <laughs> so let's... Let's shift away from maybe the the ministry aspect. Um, Why do you think it's hard for one generation to pass their faith on to the next generation? Because all parents want their kids to be good people and to have some sort of faith and hopefully more faith than they had. I see that a lot. Parents who don't have faith Uh, They maybe have some religious experience, and then when they have kids, they decide, okay, well, I need my kids to be grounded in something because church is going to make them good and faith is good for them, and so I want them plugged into something, and it's just hard to see that faith shift from one generation to the next. Why do you think that might be? Hmm. I think the answer was almost in that first sentence that you said is that a lot of people just hope hope that their kids will become good people and that's not what it means to have faith I think that like as I was talking about before seeing people who just go to church we see a lot of good people who again kind of turn this into a this is part of being a good person and so they make it part of their checklist of this is how to be a good person a b c um and so going to church becomes a part of that checklist and I think that what people are missing to really pass on that faith that I feel like we've been able to understand as we go through life together is seeing that faith isn't just a one-time moment it's not that just that moment when someone went to youth group or to camp and found God that's more of the starting point and that doesn't make them a good or bad person at that moment Um, and that's not the point of life is to become good people but to become godly people and to be people who know Jesus as in a relationship sense not just as a one-time like whoop godly high five like okay I gave my life to Jesus now I'm all good to go it's not a one-time thing it's a continual changing of our lives a continually asking God hey where do I need to change right now and I think it's the fact that people don't think of it as a continual process of becoming more like Jesus every day, every week, every month, every year. And they think of it more like, oh, I just hope that my kid ends up being a good person. Good people do a lot of 
good things, um, but that doesn't mean that they actually know Jesus. And so kind of have to reframe the mindset almost on what that could look like. So I see as well that a lot of people's relationship with God was based on one experience. You brought up Mm -hmm. camp, and I too spent uh, many a summer at church camp, and you're there for a week immersed in worship, immersed in people pouring into you, immersed in stories and examples of the faith, and you're away from your daily grind, from your peers, from video games, and it's just a time to retreat and get away with God. And it can feel like a, well, it is an awesome, life-changing experience, as well as there's those times in, in church where just everything comes together. It, it, the worship is, you just feel God's presence. But then you roll over to Monday and you realize you have the same coworkers, the same issues at home, the same temptations. Right. Monday's always rough. <laughs> it comes hard. It comes fast. Um, but yeah, I think that like people feel like, oh, this is what it means. And it's that is a beautiful time, a time full of a lot of, like you said, worship and a lot of great experiences. And I think that um, we focus too much on like that's how life should be when, yeah, exactly. You go back home and life still is happening. We're still in the world. The world's still not perfect. But within that, we have to find that rhythm of chasing after God, of chasing after that relationship. Yeah, because the hard part about being on a mountaintop is that you can't stay there forever. You've got to go through the valleys. It's a long way down. (laughs) It is a long way down, and it feels rough. The higher the mountain, the deeper the valley in perspective. Um, So let's. I just want to circle back to why it's hard for one generation to pass their faith on to the next. And, you know, what you brought up was they have these stories of these moments when they were younger as kids or, hey, these these faith experiences they had years ago. And it's possible that their kids only hear the stories but don't see it in action. Mm-hmm. I think that relates to going to church. Like we hear stories of faith, hear stories of Moses and Gideon and Joshua. We hear those stories. We hear stories of Jesus healing people, but is that something we always see? No, definitely not. And I think even like what you're saying is, I think that that can be the problem is, yeah, a lot of families have like, oh, let me tell you, like telling their kids, like this is how I got to know Jesus. Like this was my moment. But they don't have more times of constantly chasing after seeing what God is doing in their life, seeing what God is changing for them. I think of even whenever we first started adopting kids and bringing kids into our family and you and mom sat all of us down and said, hey, we're praying about this. We want to bring you guys into that, into this time of praying and seeking like, okay, God, is this what you would have us do? Um, Please just lay some kids on our hearts so that we can see where you're taking this. And you guys brought us into that. And I think seeing that parents bringing kids into that curiosity, whether it's them seeking out like, hey, like we're going to read the Bible together because mom and dad are trying to discover what it is that God is all about. Like bringing them into that because that way they can see that journey because they're going to 
become what they see. They're going to copy exactly what parents do. So whenever parents start that journey and start seeking out God, they need to bring their kids in on that. And I think that oftentimes, like you talked about, even just getting tired, people getting tired in the church and um, feeling like it's just, or also I was talking about just being a uh, checklist activity. When kids see that, then for them, it doesn't become a real faith. It becomes a checklist activity because that's what it is for them. And so I would say seeing that faith journey is so important for kids and being able to walk with their parents in that so I like that, Kylie. There's a few things that I want to pull out of that. One you mentioned is when we started taking in kids. We went from four kids to nine kids in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that mom and I did is we decided that we were burdened by taking in kids, by the need for that. And we wanted it to be more than just something God spoke to us. We wanted it to be a family decision. And so... We sent you kids out to pray about it. You want to talk about that day, that moment? See, that day was just, I remember more you guys sitting us down in the living room and really letting us know what kind of a commitment this was going to be. Um, And just really seeing your guys' heart in that was a big, a big day. And then, yeah, I remember you guys sent us out and we all like found our spots around the property to go sit and read our Bible and pray. And um, I mean, I remember all of us coming back to you guys and feeling like, yeah, like we really want to do this. We really want this to be like what we're going to do. I think we all felt more excitement towards it than anything else. And just seeing that God can use us, that God can use our family to help other people. Um, I think we all kind of got a heart for that after hearing your and mom's just desire to help kids in that way. It was fun at first when new kids came in because now they're, they were about your age. It, ages matched up pretty good with all the kids. And so now everyone had a new playmate. It was no longer three-person baseball. <laughs> yeah, you could actually play <laughs> small teams, but yeah. <laughs> it worked a little better. And so there were some very good things. But then it got challenging. Yes. <laughs> people borrowing your stuff without asking. People not knowing the rules, slamming doors, things that we didn't have before. And so mom and I knew that there were some big challenges ahead, unforeseen challenges. We just knew they would be coming. And we knew that we had to draw a line in the sand because we were convicted But we wanted you guys to be able to look back to that point and say, look, this is what God told us to do. That's why we're doing it. And we never see in scripture where God gives someone an easy task. It's always a challenging task. And so the issue wasn't, is this fun? Does this feel right? But how can we be obedient to what God has for us? Yeah. And that that one-time commitment was huge. But as we've talked about, and I want to expand on a little bit, that Faith has a lot of those big mountaintop commitment moments. But if that's all you have, then you're going to struggle. One thing we don't see in scripture is a moment where the disciples prayed any kind of prayer to receive Jesus into their heart. We don't see a single moment where they stopped doubting, but it, it kind of continued through their whole time with Jesus. It was a journey. I want you to talk about some things for your personal faith journey 
that enabled you to to grow, to stay strong, maybe even some of those mountaintop moments that really shaped your journey. Because as we look about, as we talk about kids that have fallen away and what does it take to keep the faith, you didn't fall away, you kept the faith. And so I want you to talk about how you were able to do that and maybe some of the, some more of the challenges that came along the way. Right. I think definitely as far as that kind of time frame, obviously one big thing was when we started bringing kids into our home. And it felt like during that time, new kids in the house made me start to feel like I needed to pray for patience. <laughs> and every time That's I prayed for patience, <laughs> we got a new kid into the house. Exactly. <laughs> so I had to stop praying for patience because <laughs> they had to expand yours and mom's licenses. So <laughs> too much prayer for patience there. Um, but I would say also during that time after we had everyone in the house, um, well, almost, then going back to high school um, because obviously um, as you know um, I graduated early the two years early so whenever mom had approached me and just mentioned like hey I feel like God has been pressing this on my heart to mention to you that as you think about going to college maybe you should be thinking about going back to high school which is kind of wild because I'm sure any parent would be looking at that and thinking oh thank goodness my kid is moving on and going on to college and doing bigger and better things and well yeah let's just clarify that the high school our local high school wasn't quite known for academics so this was not a a career path move not an academically advantageous move why why go back to high school when you had graduated from from correspondence school to go into a public high school, which you had never been in a public school before. Yeah, that's true. This high school did not have much to recommend it for uh, academia purposes, but going back in just to help build the youth group and to help outreach to these kids. And I remember that moment far clearer is whenever I went to the local college that I had been looking at going into and going in for that placement test. Um, And praying to God like okay God if you have for me to be here instead of the high school I need you to make it very clear to me because I don't know and I just remember praying like okay God like I need it to just be something that I don't know what to expect like something that just really speaks to me and I went into the test and as you know math is my favorite subject and my best subject there we go and yeah (laughs) so going in and getting ready to take the test I was like okay I wonder like how this is gonna go it should be fine and taking the English part I was like all right cool we got this essays all the fun things and going into math I just remember starting on the test and suddenly having this block in my mind and feeling as though oh my goodness why can't I remember like pre-algebra why can't I remember what I need to put down here and so I just kind of like did my best as much as I could remember and then once I closed out the test as soon as I walked out of the building as soon as I was at the edge of the college campus I remember all of a sudden all the knowledge that I had needed in that test coming back into my mind as well and it was it was felt really wild because I was like wait why is this all coming back right now and it hit me the prayer I had prayed and I was like okay God that's very clear for me and so that day then whenever I got home I was remember telling mom like okay mom I really feel like God spoke to me and told me that I need to go into the high school I had already felt a burden for those kids before 
as well. And so that's why I was conflicted. But that moment really felt like God's confirmation for me. And so then we went to the high school and even the counselor was like looking at my decisions and thinking like you could tell the way he was trying to guide me. Like, why is this girl coming in here and doing these classes this way? Because I went in as a junior. And so going back to the high school, that was kind of, I guess, a mountaintop moment for me because I really had felt God speak to me and really clearly saw where he wanted me to be. So like that first semester was, I think, more exciting because it was all really new and I saw a lot of ways that God was challenging me to be in outreaching to the kids my own age and to be engaging them in conversation that brought them closer to God. But then like... I think everyone on their journey at some point we get tired and I definitely remember like halfway through I had been used to from homeschooling being able to have my own set schedule during the day we did a lot of different things but also I was able to just knock out my homework and be done like within the first half of the day and then have the second half of the day to go and like you know bake or like hang out with my horse and do chores and then go and like have fun with our friends or do youth group or whatever it is that we were doing that day um or go work out and so now being in school almost like from early in the morning before the sun was up all the way through the evening which I wasn't used to and is a lot and so having this really full schedule suddenly made me just feel so exhausted and then I was constantly trying to pour out pour out to all these kids that I was meeting and by the end of that first semester I remember just like oh my gosh feeling so exhausted just mentally emotionally and even physically having to be up like that all the time it was draining and so By the time that happened, it kind of, I felt like going into that next semester kind of slowed down on how much I was talking to people. Like I was just tired. It was like, okay, like I'll do these assignments now and kind of getting into the mode of just being a high school student instead of on mission. And I remember that we did a few different things with our youth group, but I remember one week we had just so many of my theater friends who came in to youth group and someone that I'd been praying for for a long time came in and um, it was really wild to see like so many people just coming into the youth group and so many of Danny's wrestling friends came in and I remember looking at all these kids and thinking, oh my goodness, these theater kids wouldn't all be in here if I had never stepped into that arena, if I had never gone to that high school. And so seeing that God had really used me and used where he put me to be bringing so many kids in to be able to walk in their faith and to be able to know God better because of my obedience, it reminded me that like, man, I'm not here for academia. We already talked about how the high school didn't have a lot of academia to offer, really, um, more than what I had already received. And so looking at that, I was like, wow, this this is why I'm here. I'm not here to get great grades on the test. I'm not here just to, you know, get good college placement. I'm here for a greater purpose, for something far different than most people look at high school for. And I think those were both that mountaintop experience of like first going in like, yeah, this is exciting. And then by the end feeling like this is exhausting. And I think that's part of the journey is being able to look back and see this is why I started this moment. This is what God spoke to me. And I think that's the hard part as we talked about today, just why people fall away from the faith is oftentimes we don't 
return to what God spoke to us. Mm -hmm. We don't think back on the words that he gave us. And I think sometimes we don't take the time to find that next word from him because sometimes we don't always hear from him right away and that can feel frustrating. Um, But also I think we forget what he told us. And so during that time, especially during high school, I really um, was really good at keeping a journal. And that's something that I would definitely encourage to people who are in their journey with Jesus or even just starting it out is to just journal the things that God is speaking to them. Because I remember even you sending us out to different parts of the property or whenever we've been at like youth group or church before saying, hey, like take a paper, take some time, find a corner where you're alone and just pray. Let God speak into you and then write that down what it is. And having been able to look back and see things I wrote down, like this is what God spoke to me and seeing not that long later that I journaled, um, like, oh my goodness, like this is what's happening. This is what God did in my life. And seeing that correlation is really been something that's built my faith is because I've been able to see this is where God spoke and this is where he fulfilled something that he spoke to me. So one thing I I think is very significant is you knew the right answers. You you knew the answers for the math test, even though in that moment you were blocked. But if I had given you a Bible test, you would know the answers. But your faith really shifted to the next level when you exercised the faith, when you did something with it. And that, as you explained, was kind of a solidifying moment of making it my faith, taking ownership of it. Journaling is also an exercise of faith and writing things down, seeing answers to prayer. And I think that's key is in transferring faith to the next generation is helping them take ownership of it. And I remember when I was early on in high school, I began to question, am I believing the right thing? Because I knew that believing the right thing is important. And I knew my parents had taught me the same thing for my whole life. And I saw that they were sincere, but I began to think it's also possible to be sincerely wrong. And so I need to know that I know that I know. I need to know that what I believe is the right thing. And so I began to question, well, what is it that Mormons teach or Muslims or Jehovah's Witness or Buddhists? Because Everyone thinks they have the right path. And so I need to know for me, not because my parents told me, not because other people in the church believe, but I need to have a faith of my own. I can't carry on with what my parents believe my whole life, just as I can't live under their house, <laughs> under their roof for my whole life and, and be supported by them. some point, you've got to grow up and become an adult. And I knew I needed to take ownership of the faith. So I just started asking a lot of questions. And I mean, in the end, I I came back full circle. And uh, maybe that's a story for another time. But but the bottom line was, after looking at evidence and examining different faiths, uh, the evidence pointed me back to where I had started and and came to an understanding that, okay, this is truth. This is truth. Um, the right thing to believe. And and after that season of questioning and doubting and, and searching, I would say my faith was strengthened through that. Uh, maybe let's just kind of brainstorm as, as we have, I'm sure some parents listening wondering, well, how do I 
pass that faith on? What are some practical things um, that I can do to pass that faith on to my kids? Um, I'll let you start. What are some thoughts that you have, some things that you would say based on your experience, um, either working with youth or growing up, what are some things that parents could do to um, pass that faith on, to, to instill faith into their kids? Yeah, I would definitely go back to what I was saying before on parents bringing their kids with them on that journey. I think oftentimes, as you know better than I do, that parents feel almost like they need to have all the answers. And um, especially as they're going through learning about something, especially something as important as learning about like God and what he has in store for them, I think that it can feel almost like they don't know how to introduce that to their kids. But bringing those questions even to their kids, bringing their kids into, hey, like, we're going to be reading this part of the Bible today. Let's let's read it together and see what this looks like, see what this is saying, what God is speaking to us. Um, because no matter how good you or I can speak, no one is going to hear God's voice nearly as well as when they get it straight from his word. I mean, that's important is to be reading in the Bible. And I think that for parents bringing their kids with them, again, on that journey of, hey, we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. And the kids being able to see like, okay, mom and dad are, they're curious or just mom or just dad, whatever the family situation is, that kids seeing like, man, my parents are curious about this. I wonder why. Kids naturally are curious. They're yeah. naturally going to ask questions and parents hearing those questions they're not going to have all the answers none of us have all the answers yeah you know (laughs) let me just interject because as a dad i just feel like god has hardwired dads to to have answers and i just remember when you kids were young some of the -the off-the-wall questions about whether it's about dinosaurs or how things work uh important questions yeah i just you know what if dinosaurs were alive today? Would they eat us? And you have to have an answer to that. Um, who would win in a fight, Batman or Wonder Woman? And you have to have, you just have to be able to come up with an answer. And so it's difficult when it's an answer about faith because it makes you feel inadequate. But I like what you said and that you, it's not important that the parents know everything, but they're willing to take their kids on that journey with them, or the journey of discovery together. Right, exactly. Anything else you would want to add in for parents on what they can do to help their kids have a faith of their own? I think encouraging their their kids to, to be curious, encouraging that curiosity, and just loving them through that and seeing, again, that they're bringing them on that journey because I feel, too, like the way that we view our parents often reflects right into the way that we view God. So if we feel heard by our parents, if we feel like they're, you know, bringing us with them on the journey, that's how we start to feel about God. If kids are feeling like, wow, like my parents really care about where I'm at and they really want me to to dive into this, sometimes they're not going to listen because depending on where they're at or how stubborn some of us are, um, you know, but them really being able to see their parents walk in faith and feel encouraged in that, I feel is something big. Yeah. So seeing their parents journeying in faith, mm-hmm. so, because you can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you won't go. I've heard parents 
say. I've heard this quoted often. I teach my kids to do as I say, not do as I do. And it never works out uh, because tell your kids not to lie. Uh, And I remember situations where you'd see parents get a call on the house phone. Those don't exist anymore. But hey, mom, so-and-so is calling. Tell them I'm not home. Okay, you're telling your kid to lie, but you're also teaching them to not lie. It doesn't work. So If you don't have faith, you can't pass that on to your kids. Exactly, because kids always become the copy of their parents. I mean, even looking at you and I, people always will say after they hear me speak or something like, oh my goodness, you sound just like your dad, but your girl. (laughs) And so seeing that people see um, just how much alike you and I are and how much I've taken in from learning from you, I would definitely remind parents that you're raising yourself. And whether you think that's good or bad, (laughs) um, you are going to be raising yourself. So as if you want your kids to take this journey, then you're going to have to start taking that journey yourself and really just showing your kids, this is what I'm doing to try to figure things out about God. And so whether that's taking time to pray, like either let the kids know or take that time to pray with them, Um, whether it's reading the Bible and having them do that with you, that is something that I think is so important. I mean, when we were growing up, I remember mom talking about how she would always be like, you have to pray, like have to have devos with the kids each day, like telling you that it was so important. And I remember all those times when we would always sit together and we'd pull out our little kids devotional book and you would read one of them to us that day. And that was just such a good reminder and good way to set that habit of every day we read the Bible together. And every day we're learning something new about God and we're starting to memorize verses together. And so I would definitely say that the parents taking that journey is going to lead the kids on that journey. Yeah, we read the Bible, uh, the whole thing, minus a couple books, a couple chapters. We had to (laughs) just skip over. You kids had no idea. We skipped. Just a few. We read the whole Bible uh, in three years. A chapter a day takes about three years to get through the Bible. And the thing was, um, it's just super simple. We read a chapter and we talked about it. We had everyone share their input, and then we prayed. It wasn't complicated. It was consistent. Right. And one thing that you brought up a lot is journey. And in, in terms of passing along a faith or developing a faith, developing a faith of your own, I think the most important thing is it's a journey. We're not where we need to be, but we can't stay where we are. We have to keep moving forward. And that comes with our personal time in God's word and in prayer. But God doesn't want us to journey alone. It's a journey we do as a family. It's a journey we also do in community. So being part of a a church community is how God wired us. Right. Yeah. And so I I would say don't be afraid to start the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kylie, um, I, I've enjoyed this talk and uh, appreciate your insight. And as thanks. we talk about journey, I would just say to our listeners, thanks for journeying with us. And uh, we, we're glad to have you along as we talk about the journey we've been on and we continue to be on. And 
And uh, we hope our time has been helpful. And we look forward to having you back with us again real soon. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. It's It's been fun having this conversation. I think it's going to be exciting to see more people taking steps to go on that journey. Awesome. Thank you, Kylie. Yeah. Love you, Dad. Love you.